Philippians chapter 4. I was uh, I had something else planned for this morning, and then it's been a few days. Uh, early enough, I told you days ago what, what this morning would be. Uh, but I was sitting in my truck in between appointments the other day, and so uh, I have a, a small little NIV, old NIV, that uh, somebody gave me, goodness, longer than we've been married, we, we're the ones married. I just glanced over, and I can't see this morning, so I just somebody over there I'm married to. Uh, longer than that. Longer than that. And I thought it was very cool because they gave that um, to us as Ames students to uh, have a very small, handy, it was a tiny, tiny little Bible to carry around. And it was very well made and really tough. So still, it goes around with me. It's, this is my truck Bible. Everybody needs a truck Bible. I know you got one on your phone, but you don't always have signal and your battery's not always charged. So get you a truck Bible. If you're particularly messy and muddy in your truck, they make them out of plastic now, like plastic pages. You go anywhere with those things. Get you one. So I was reading this, and it was outside uh, in the truck, and I read this passage a million times, and I just looked at it, and I thought, I feel like with, and I, and I think with all that's going on, this is kind of one of those uh, anchor point passages that we just have to keep coming back to. And, you know, there are those. that You probably read 2,000. That's not even an exaggeration. Some of you read 2,000 times. Because on 2,000 different days, you went, oh, i got to go back and read that again. And this is one of those. It's one for me. It's one for all the people. Philippians 4. Now, I want to start in verse 4, which you probably already guessed. You knew I was either going to 4 or 8, right? Because this is this is something we have to work on. And I'm going to read it, and then uh, I want to talk about a few things. Already, oh, man, I already started my timer. I should wait until after I read it. Ah, that's, that's how you get an extra minute. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I actually dug out my old, I have a newer NIV, you know, they update and, and re- I think actually what they do is they kind of like scrabble tiles. They take the words on the page. They throw them up in the air and where they land. Look, we have a new translation. Because all same words are just all in the wrong order and it throws me off. So I went back to my old faithful, which also I needed one that matched my shirt today because that's what I do. And this is my only burgundy color. So I went back and I got this because the wording of this passage is not right for me in any other Bible. I've, I've, I've carried this translation since I was in high school, this particular Bible went with us uh, to Russia and back. So I've had it a while. And so there are just certain passages that kind of only write when I read them from here. This is one of those. And um, it's one of those that that I think can absolutely transform us if we really take it in. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Before we do, I think we need to ask the Lord's blessing on all this. So let's pray together. Father, you make you know world is crazy. Some of us are going through some crazy things in our lives, but we're thankful for the things that you show us uh, your hand in, where things are improved or better or healed or uh, just the rain re- replenishing the land. All these different things, Father, we know that you work. We know that you are real. We know that you are living and active in our life and in our world. Father, we thank you and we praise you. God, we Pray that these words uh, can do what they've done so long and, and strengthen us, encourage us, 
and help us to see things through your eyes and through your hope. So we pray for your wisdom this morning as we go through them. We pray that you would help us to look at our own hearts, uh, reveal to us where these truths can make things better, make us stronger, and heal. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So you see, you might have been afraid. Those of you who have ever done a BBS with us, you might have been a little scared when you saw the title this morning. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you swirl around. But one of my favorite VBS songs is Righteousness, Peace, and Joy in the Holy Ghost. And whether you know this or not, I don't know. But this is actually a quote straight out of the book of Romans. So I feel like it's a very biblical VBS song, okay? Dance and all. Uh, I didn't know what Mark was going to say, but it all goes together. The day that you all on a Sunday morning could do Righteousness, Peace with the motions, we will know that we took that to heart, okay? That's when we'll know. Uh, but that... That song is kind of funny. That song expresses a joy that's not just for kids. I think that's the mistake we make. We think that joy and we think that that enjoying worship and enjoying praise and enjoying all those things is something that is for our kids at BBS or for our teens at youth rallies and things like that. Uh, There's a reason a lot of adults like to take kids to those things. There's a reason they that adults like to be chaperones to things like Winterfest. And it's not the pizza. It is the Winterfest. It is the singing. When you get 4,000 teenagers given to God, and they're singing and praising just with abandon, it's something that you just stand there in awe of God, but you also stand there in awe of their hearts, and you always leave going, just like you left the Rangers game. You leave thinking, and how come us old fogies aren't like that, too? We only understand what they're excited about more. So why would we not get that and connect with that even more? I've always thought there ought to be youth rallies for adults. I don't know if you call them old rallies. I don't, I don't care what you all, you know, it doesn't matter. I would go. That's my point. To me, that's what Tulsa was back when it was still happening. And I think it's so sad that a lot of those things have shut down. Uh, I don't think we have to give up and think they've shut down permanently, but that seems to be the tack that a lot of us are taking. But it, that, for me, was the closest thing I could get to that. Even even that, I thought, was a little tame compared to a lot of good youth rallies, but it was close. It was close. And it, that's that's something that, is, as Christians, we, we need to tap into. And that's what this passage is all about. So things that we've got to tap into. We look at the world around us and... This is not what we see. We do not look around just at the world in general and turn on the news and see righteousness or peace or joy or the Holy Spirit. We see something far, far different. What we see is war. We see loss. We see brokenheartedness. We see people uh, like the guy in Maine. And who who knows what the motivation is there, but what you see is evil, and what you see is a brokenness, and what you see is somebody who Satan has so damaged that he doesn't know up from down, and he's hardly the only one. He just acted on it. There's people all over the place hurting from the impact of other people's actions. You know, one man can destroy two countries or more. And it's happening all over the place. There are the wars and the rumors of wars, which Jesus told us, listen, that's going to happen. 
don't get caught up in it, but it's hard, isn't it, not to get caught up in it because it can affect people you know. Tanya and I were talking about last night that um, one of the losses, and I know people don't always like social media, but there is Listen, when you abandon something to Satan, you've made a mistake. When you go and be light to something, you're doing the Lord's work. And if you refuse to do the Lord's work, that's going to be on you and on us as a church. We go in there and be light. One of the blessings of that is the connection we've been able to have with our brothers and sisters over in Kern that we would have no other way to connect it. And that's been driven home because as Putin shut down things like Facebook, we lost connection with brothers and sisters. So you may not like those things, but God works through those things, too. Satan doesn't get a monopoly. And there's a, a loss, but there's more of a, a, a sense of urgency in prayer I have for some of my brothers. I don't know if any of them have been drafted. I don't know if any of them have been forced or punished or not agreed to be drafted. I have no idea. Complete loss of communication. So there are all those concerns. It's difficult when you have those kind of things going on in a really big picture, but when they actually then come home. So, you know, praying for Jeff and his family before he was able to get out or uh, Morris Horton, you know, Morris Janice Horton over at uh, Austin Avenue. They've got kids who went back to Israel last week. And so, you know, where their park is and where their prayers are going. All of this is far more real to us then we may think watching TV. And so that creates stress and it creates worry and it creates maybe some anger and some sadness and some loss and all of those things rush through our heads and rush through our hearts. And it's just a constant because every day there's something else. Every day. There's concerns about not what is happening, but what could happen. Because you know that there are people playing a covert game of chess behind the scenes in ways that can be dangerous for people all over the world. And that's frustrating and scary, but that's not even the whole picture. Then there's what's happening in your house. And sometimes in your own home, there is World War III, right? Sometimes that, that's happening at home. There's yelling and screaming. Those people look like they have that down. Now, I'm going to say this because I can say this genetically because I have people in family with, with hair far redder than my own. He might have had to learn it, but she come by naturally. That's all I'm saying. His, his, uh, whichever one of them is, is, is real and not die, they, they know how to do that. And that's, that's, that was the running joke in our family growing up, was that red, red meant something, and you know, whatever. My grandfather always said it, but my grandfather had white hair, and I couldn't figure out who he was fooling, you know? I know there was roots in there that might have been red at some point, decades past, but it was long gone. We make light of it, but some of you know all too well. Anger, loss, a struggle, have any sense of peace within relationship with your spouse or your kids, co-worker. It's real. Every one of us deals with it at times, and there's no sense in pretending, is there? This is, this is the world we live in. And it was into that that both of these passages were written. When Paul writes what I'm about to show you, where that quote comes from uh, of righteousness and peace, he's writing to the church at Rome, and they're arguing over all kinds of things. Uh, they're not the worst. You know, it could have been, they could have lived in Corinth. 
Uh, but they are arguing, and they are having some problems within the church and within their families. And that's why he says to them this passage. He says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, because they're fighting over what they eat and what they drink. Kind of like sometimes now, you got you got people who fight over, you know, can you do this, can you not do this, can we have this, can we not have this? For them, sometimes it was food sacrificed to idols, hard for us to relate to, but, you know, it was a thing. And they would argue over that and debate that. And, and can we do this? Can a church have a gym or not have a gym? We don't know. Uh, that's, a, that's more of a budget issue for most churches than it is a, a spiritual issue. But those things rip some churches apart. You know, can, can you clap? I've been in churches where they said you couldn't clap. They didn't read the Psalms. I don't know what was wrong. But Psalms is, is there. And last I read, Paul actually said, we should go and I want you to live, sing, and do the Psalms. So if it's in there, get at it. I just got written up three times off the Internet. I just want you all to know that. But it's in there. We argue and we fuss and we fight. Sometimes that's familial. Sometimes that's within a church or a congregation. We certainly see it. Once you throw in the mix of people who are not even living by the Spirit, we see it in the world all around. People argue about, you know, what do you even do with the left lane? I'll tell you what you do with the left lane, not what people at early do with the left lane. It is not your acceleration lane. The Lord told me to talk to you all about this. No, I'm kidding. He did not. But he does approve this message. Uh, so stop trying to play demolition derby with everybody. You're just trying to get a cup of coffee or tea. It's not that important, okay? And, it, and actually, it is a scriptural issue because it comes down to this is how you apply the golden rule. Look beyond the end of our own noses. Think about the other person and be considerate. Their life is worth more than your hurry, Right? But we fight over all those things. We fight from the extremes, and that's our problem. told you all before, Ecclesiastes 7.18, in, in this NIV, it's my favorite wording, the man of God avoids all extremes. Does our world need to think about that for a moment? Do we need to really live that as Christians to show them how that can be done? We avoid the extremes. The kingdom of God is not a matter of. Here's what I want you to do, a little bit of an exercise. Let me make you work through this one, but you have to do it out loud, okay? And you had your heart. The kingdom of God is not a matter of. And what, here's what I want you to think about, really think about, and put in this blank. The kingdom of God is not a matter of. The church at Rome was arguing over any injury. I want you to think back over your week. What made you angry? What maybe made you sad? More. What made you argue with any glass? What made you stew as you drove illegally in that left lane when were distracted? What what did you gripe on in your head as if you know what the other person is going to say as you drove down the road? And you just got madder and madder and more frustrated. Boy, when they say that, I'm going to say, put it in that blank. The kingdom of God is not a matter right. Well, they didn't get this done. Put it in the blank. The kingdom of God is not a matter right. They got to start tur stop turning that thermostat down. I wanted it to go up. Put it in the blank. The kingdom of God is not a matter of. What is yours? And then now read that as a full. The kingdom of God isn't about it. 
It's gone about there. Let it go. Just let God have it and let it go. And ask God to show you. So what is the kingdom of God about then? And well, you know, I'll get to this. I even italicized and yelled it for you. What is it about? Righteousness. Righteousness. Being right for God. Having a heart set on what's holy and good. Another, another aspect we sometimes lose because of the way our translations are done. The word, the word for righteousness is also the word for justice. So it's about, I would say it's, it's both and, not either or. It is righteousness slash justice. Those two are intertwined and inseparable. It's about those things. Maybe some of the things that you would have put in that blank, you might have been upset about something that was an injustice. In that case, it doesn't go in that blank. Kingdom of God is not. Righteousness, justice, peace. Could you have used more peace in your week this week? Did you have things that quite literally upset your apple cart big time? Are the things that kept you awake? Are there things that kept you griping in your head and maybe outside your head? With one another. Kingdom of God is about being right with God and right with man. That's what justice is, right? Pit. Joy. I think we've seen a lot of good joy this morning. I pray it wasn't the first time to you this week. I hope you got an old week in that. But we get a coming week of that. That's the kingdom of God. He says that's literally what we are about because anyone look at this this is really cool there's a promise in here and it's actually a two-fold promise but I'm going to bold it at today because anyone who serves Christ in this way in what way doing righteousness getting right with God being just being right with your neighbor peaceful peacemaking and joyful anybody who does these things Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is pleasing to God. If you've been worried about whether or not God is happy with you, you know this. By the grace of Christ, you're made righteous. So you can check off first. Because that's by His grace. Through the Spirit of God, you can encounter peace. And by letting God just work through the first two, you will find joy kind of just gave that all to us. So he says, if you want to be pleasing to me, all I want you to do is embrace what I'm giving you as a gift and let that be your life now. So to please God, you simply let him give. Let him help you grow. Let him change you. Let him calm you. Let him give you joy. I thought being Christian was harder than that. I thought it had to be more complicated than that. I thought it had to be more more heavy than that. And yet it's not. This is it right here. This is it. And you know the cool thing about this? Paul says in Galatians that he did not get these concepts, his vision of the kingdom of God and what it is so different from the world around him. He didn't get them by pulling those out of his own head. Like, you know, I think this would be really good if we were going to do this. And he says, I received these things from Christ Jesus himself. And he says, when I got together with the other apostles, we looked at each other's notes and said, hey, we both got the same thing from Jesus. What about that? This isn't really Paul's vision. 
This is Christ's vision. This is what God looks at you and says, this is what this is what I want. You ever wondered what I want for you? This is it right here. It's all that it's about right here. And it's so easy. Okay. The thing that might come to you is very simply, how do you do that? And that's the question. And it always is going to be, yeah, okay, but how do I get there? The whole world is at war with itself. Families are at war with themselves. Offices are at war sometimes with themselves. With all the tension, all the frustration, all the rah, it's back and forth. Even sometimes between good friends because the wrong topic came up. You know, rah, there it all comes out. How in the world are we supposed to actually see righteousness, peace, and joy? Well, this is what I love about the Lord. He never just says it. He then says, okay, now here's how that's going to happen. And Paul at Philippians 4, the passage we read, actually gave us the whole recipe for that, didn't he? He showed us how it works, so let's look at it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. You say, well, what? I, get, I told you I was having a hard time. I told you I was angry. I know. And here's how you're going to change that. Rejoice. Well, you can't just tell me that. Holy Spirit just did. We can change our attitude and we can change our mind. Otherwise, if, we, if we're, think about this. If we're not able to change our attitude, what does that make us? Doesn't that make us slaves? And didn't Jesus Christ go to the cross to free us from that kind of slave? So, yes, we can. We can. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again because they need it as much as we do. I will say it again. Rejoice. And look at look at verse five. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Do you find that to be easy? Not even all. Okay, I'm going to speak to the men primarily on this one. But there are women who don't know how to be gentle either. So this is not necessarily a male-female issue. But maybe men just feel more pressure not to. A little less free too. But gentleness is not... I think it's important for us to get because I think this goes back to Ecclesiastes 7.18. Genesis, or Genesis, gentleness. Gentleness is not an extreme opposite. Okay? Being harsh and abusive, there is an opposite. But it's not gentleness. You might think it is. The opposite of harsh and abusive is being beaten down and abused. Gentleness is not that. Gentleness is not a glorified, Christianized doormat. And so sometimes we kind of run away from passages like this because we're afraid that God is saying, well, you've got to be a doormat for Jesus. And that's not what he's saying. At all. At all. It's like when we talk about meekness, it's all related. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. There's nobody stronger than someone who is truly, by the Spirit, meek and humble when it's not natural to be so. There will be nobody stronger than that. So, for us men, you look at this, and gentle, let your gentleness be evident to all. Stop hiding a very real part of you that is made in the image of God and that God intended for men to carry in a very special way and intended for women to carry it a different but also equally special way. 
we see it more often in women and the way that they can care and be gentle and kind and humble. Men are kind of told not to because of the misunderstanding of what it is. Have you ever seen, well, you've seen it, because we got people like this who are in the room today, and then we have some others. Um, because the last place that I looked at the very back row back there, I saw Linda nodding at something a second ago that I said, I'm going to use Bobby as an example. Bobby, a very strong, powerful man. And I'm like, good night. I have been emotional all week and I'm tired of it. Why did I do that? I miss that brother. But Bobby, really strong, powerful guy. Bobby also had one of the tenderest spirits you'll ever meet. Perfect example of this passage put into life, right? You never wanted to meet him in a back alley angry, I guess, because I never saw that. But you knew he'd take you. <laughs> you knew he'd take you. But you also knew he was too good a man to do it. You knew he cared. You knew he loved. An incredible example of this. There are lots of others that I could use because we see this. But that is a Christian spirit. That is God and the Spirit of God in action. And it's this. Let your gentleness be evident to all. It's evidence of a man of God, evidence of a woman of God, who can control whether that is physical strength or the power of the tongue, the power of encouragement versus put-downs. That's for either men or women. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Imagine if this whole congregation goes out and and that is the attitude that we give, the impact that can have on our homes and our communities. Because this is God's plan. That's the kingdom of God. It's not a matter of fussing and arguing. It's not a matter of fighting and putting down. It's not a matter of, of debating and we're better than you are. It's a matter of gentleness, kindness, meekness, power under control and use for the good of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God. Let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. And we need to know He's near, both for accountability's sake, but also to know, you got this. You can hold your tongue, you can hold your temper, you can do what's right, you can be kind, you can you can handle this. I'm here, I'm with you, and I got your back. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... And by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and their peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How do we get this kingdom he's talking about? How do we see it in our world? This is how you do it. A joyful heart, a rejoicing attitude, gentleness, kindness, consideration, patience, let your gentleness be evident to all. The consciousness that God's with us, because you're going to have to be bold at times too. Boldly gentle. Boldly kind. And in prayer. Whatever it is that overwhelms you, take it to God. Whatever it is that you don't have the answer to, take it to God. I know that's so very basic. But we have to be reminded of that constantly because we get into a, a tizzy sometimes and don't stop and do that. Go to God. Let him take it. And look at the words. This is why it's my favorite wording here. Uh, go, pray, be thankful, pray for other people while you're there. 
you'll find a tremendous blessing in praying for other people and not just focusing on yourself. Be thankful. Give it to it. And then look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which he said his meaning is all about, which transcends, I love this word, transcends all understanding, just beyond our comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I was blessed this last week and had an opportunity to see some of this at work, which, I mean, we see it all the time, that it was just in a, in a very impactful way. And the peace that has come because of that and the joy that has become come because of that has been overwhelming. This is real. This isn't a bumper sticker. It's not a meme on the Internet. This isn't just a wallpaper to throw up. This is real. Go into your prayer closet. Sit in your truck between appointments and pray. Get into the Scriptures. Go to God and see His peace overwhelm whatever it is that you've been dealing with. I can tell you from my own experience this week, if I hadn't been thinking this way, this would have been a week that would have absolutely just driven me nuts. Okay? Everything from uh, dealing with my father fell, he was on the floor for five hours, it was a struggle and all of that, and then uh, all kinds of interruptions, not problems, but interruptions throughout the week of emergency this and emergency that. I spun three times across on the Highway 84 hydroplaning and jumped over a, a concrete co uh, covert, whatever they call those things, thing, and, and landed on the other side and absolutely surreal. You know, the only thing I was really worried about, and this is a God thing, I was telling him it's hilarious. This is a hilarious thing to me, that the only thing I was worried about is I looked down as I'm flying through the air and then coming to a stop. I looked down and noticed the tea slosh out of my out of my cup there in the cup holder and thought, but I just cleaned that dash. You know, I wasn't even upset about it, but I was like, well, that's inconvenient. Got out of the car. I was already out of the car when I went, hey, I'm out of the car. I must be fine. You know, I got out of the car and a couple of good guys stopped to help me pull the car out of the ditch. And I drove it home with the arm honking at everybody. That was great because every time somebody coming from the other way came by, I'm like, me, me, me. And it's just like the road runner if my daughter's car for it. Me, 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 me. And it was like the most perfect timing, except it made me look like an idiot. And so I thought it was a short drive because I don't need the help. And so I drive home and I do that and I get out of the car and I'll just like automatically, I just walk over to my truck. It was over there in the driveway. I just go over, give the truck and go do nursing home visits. So, you know, it's just like, like nothing had happened. That's not me. That's the only reason I tell this story. That's not me. This is the kind of peace God can bring into all the chaotic things that Satan will try to drive at you in any given week. He will change the way you respond in ways you don't understand or expect because his peace is greater than even what you can imagine, much less what Satan can throw at you. And he will try. He will try. Then you remember this. The Lord is near. And you just trust. And you walk out of that prayer room. Well, that's, you know, maybe your prayer room is a Silverado or a, a Camry or whatever it is. You walk out of your prayer room boldly and confidently and at peace. Because you know what? God is with you. And he's going to show you every day in some way or another that he is and he has no plans to go anywhere else. He is with you, and he is guiding you, and he will provide for you 
and he will strengthen you. He will forgive you, and he will heal you. Isn't that good enough? Let's stand and sing about it.